Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Armor Report. It's Saturday, the 26th of September. Thank you for joining me and spending some time on a Saturday morning. I can't believe I'm here talking to you. It is absolutely beautiful out, and I'm dying to run down to the beach. So when this is over, that's where I'm headed. Look, this is a show about stock market investing like it is every week. Armor stands for Algorithmic Risk Management research. Okay. So we begin and end our investing process here by managing risk. We capture upside second. That's how professionals run money, right? Most guys are screaming and hollering about how much money they're going to make. This new stock's going to go to the moon. Okay. It's snake oil. If you want to increase your net worth significantly over time, you start by protecting capital correctly and then you capture upside. And that's what we talk about on this show, okay? So it's called quantumental investing, what we do. It's a combination of quantitative execution using algorithms, and we combine that with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge I share with you. What we're going to go over today is the week in review. We're going to talk about what happened last week in the stock market and what we think it means for next week and how we're prepared to take advantage of it. Okay, because next week could be a big week for market direction. And so we just have to have our plan ready so we can execute it. That's what I'm going to talk about. Of course, we'll touch on precious metals a little bit. And then we'll get to your questions Q&A. So fill up the message board and I'll be happy to uh, discuss. But I wanted to, um, of course, before I jump in, we got to go through these discussions. I don't know you. I can't possibly give you investment advice, right? I don't know what your portfolio looks like. What I can do is share 30 plus years of experience in the trenches, taking grenades, sharing with you my successes, my failures, and hopefully making you over time a better investor, helping you over time manage your own capital, which is what we're all trying to do. Okay? So, you know, if you want a deeper dive into these conversations, consider becoming an Armor Insider. Go to our website, armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. It's right here in the section. You can subscribe either to this channel, this YouTube channel, and, of course, to the website right down here. All right, if you enjoyed this conversation, give me a thumbs up. That always helps in the rankings for me. Um, so what I want to talk about today, and then we'll jump into – we're going to break it down into really what happened last week, what it means for next week. And then I'm going to go over for you how we're building our whiteboard. Okay. The armor investing way is about three stages of investing. It's really not that hard to understand. Investing can be kind of simple. If you turn off CNBC and you just think for yourself a bit and go through the process, it's not that hard. You build a whiteboard, which is your favorite ideas. You're stable. You do research. You read what you can read. You listen to conference calls. You talk to management. In my case, that's what I do. Okay, you gather information. Stage two is the execution stage. You look for algorithms to tell you when to commit capital to the big indexes. And then, of course, because seven out of 10 stocks follow the market, we look for the indexes to drive our risk decisions. And we have algorithms here, the Armour Report, and that's what I share with you, that tell us when to commit capital, when to take it out of the market. And then we drill down into the groups that, are, that look most attractive, and then what stocks inside those groups using algorithms. And then we go to our whiteboard and say, okay, it's time to put money to work. Here are the 10 stocks we want to own. Which of those 10 sets up correctly using algorithms and say, yep, this is the entry point. And what are algorithms? It's just a way to improve your probability of success. They're not guarantees. It's not a crystal ball. We're going to lose money. We're going to put a position on, lose some money. It happens. But our object, our job every day is to get on the right side of probability and statistics over and over again, putting capital to work when rewards worth the risk and keeping capital out of the market 
when that equation is not optimal. That's our job. We do it over and over again. We'll have success if we couple it with stage three. Stage three is risk management, using stop losses correctly. Your principal protection stops, your raise stops, your profit protection stops. It's just those three steps. That's how you invest. And you get into the cycle of the market. You put capital to work. You take capital out. You book profits. You stop losses. That's how this works. So what happened last week? Um, but before I, before I jump into that, let me just say, it's very, you know, this is just a human mind. Emotions can really play on decisions. And they usually will um, lead you down the wrong path, making the wrong decisions. So what we've got here at the Armour Report is a simple setup. And I also want to say to you guys, don't forget, even if you're not subscribing to the Armour service and becoming an insider, even if you're not on the Armour Insider Slack trading desk all day trading with us and sharing information, and of course, I'm making exclusive videos just for insiders. We also have a free Armour Action Alert. So go to the website, armorreport.com, and subscribe. It's free. And I share with you during the week information that I think is relevant. You're not going to get an email every week. There's no, there's no relevant information. I don't send it. All right? This isn't some type of canned response where things go out. But I will send you information I think is important. I'll send you exclusive videos that I think are important. So for Armor Insiders, and what I share with you guys on Saturdays is we talk about the risk monitor. It's part of our website. The top seven indexes. We have algorithms written for those seven. They're proprietary. They tell us when to commit capital, when to take it out of the big indexes. It's a simple red, green, yellow system. When we're green, we're putting capital to work aggressively. Yellow, we're managing that success and only committing new capital when we're booking capital profits somewhere else or stopping a loss and rotating, okay? And then risk monitor red, we're in our biggest cash position. Now, at every stage, there's an emotion that goes with it that tries to ruin the process, okay? And at risk monitor red, what we're in right now, that emotion is fear that we're going to miss the upside, that the market's going to run away without us. And that fear gets us to jump at every little wiggle, thinking this is the beginning of the next rally. You've got to combat that negative emotion. Fear doesn't make money, okay? During the risk monitor green phase, fear again seeps in because that's when we're committing all of our capital. And the minute you commit, commit it, you're convinced the market's going to implode. This is the way it is. It's just fear. You have to overcome that to execute correctly. And of course, during the yellow stage, when you're making money and everything's working, greed takes over and you don't want to sell things at targets. You, you see things are clearly overbought at ridiculous levels, five standard deviations above moving averages, and you still hold on because you're convinced the market can only go up at that point. Okay. You've got to find a way to control the fear and greed emotion. And I've been fighting that battle for 30 years. And this is the, this, this is the best way to do it. And I've written for Armour Insiders. This is the best way I've found to do it, in my humble opinion. And I've written for Armour Insiders, part of the website, thearmorreport.com. I have a Armour Investing Rules of the Road. I'm just going to share with you a couple of those today because they're important. Rule number six is the rule I think it's most important right now. We're at risk monitor red. It may go green next week. How do we deal with these emotions? Rule number six, you determine your investing plan when the markets are closed and the TV's off. And then you execute that plan ruthlessly when the bell rings. You don't let the emotions of the trading session change your plan. You already thought it out. You thought it out clearly when the markets were closed, TV was off. When the hysteria starts, 
you put on blinders, you put in earplugs, and you just execute. And you see where that takes you. Okay? And you do that over and over again. Rule number one on that list, put yourself on the right side of probabilities over and over again when the reward is worth the risk. If you do that, over time, net worth will grow. Does it mean you won't, you know, you'll never run into a buzzsaw? No, you will. You'll put money to work. The market will crater two or three days later, and you'll get stopped out of everything, and the net worth of the account will be down a couple percent, and it won't be pretty, and it won't be fun. Okay? If you can't handle that, then you cannot be a stock market investor. Okay? You have to accept that. There is a certain amount of risk every time you put money to work. Okay? But if you do it over and over again correctly, where probabilities are at their highest, we use algorithms to help us with that, right? And the reward's worth the risk. You come out ahead over time. It's a process. You have to execute it ruthlessly. You have to come up with it when the market's closed so you can think clearly. And then you just execute. Okay? Now, um, let me tell you a couple things. There were pros and cons about last week that shape my thoughts about what's going to happen in the coming week. Um, the S&P is down four weeks in a row. Okay? There was no real positives that you could get out of the action last week if you look at the S&P. But we have algorithms written and this is maybe the important part of this conversation. We just talked philosophy. Now we're going to talk facts. Okay? So there was important philosophy to discuss to start this show on Saturday to get your mind right. Now let's talk facts. We have seven algorithms written for the top seven indexes we use to drive our risk decisions. For those of you who are new, that's the S&P. We use ETFs, by the way, for all of this. In fact, we have a and an armor index only portfolio for the money that I manage. I manage my own capital. I manage capital for investors through our interactive brokers relationship. Some investors want to only own these seven indexes when the algorithms tell us. Okay. So for that portfolio, we follow these seven ETFs, SPY, QQQ, DIA, IWM. Okay, S&P, NASDAQ, Dow, and small cap. Those are the primaries. The secondaries are the Momentum Index, MTUM, the Value Index, VLUE, and the IBD50, FFTY. Okay? At the close of business yesterday, two of the seven gave us a risk on entry point. That's the Momentum Index, and the NASDAQ 100, two of the seven. Now, the way the risk monitor works, we need at least two of the primary indexes to give us a risk on buy signal before we change the risk monitor to green. And we need that to happen within 48 hours of each other, 48 trading hours, right? Or 48 hours, like two days, right? So we had... The triple Qs go positive yesterday at the close. We don't do anything right away. But what it means is Monday or Tuesday, one of those two days, we need confirmation from another major index. If we get it, we'll begin putting money to work. Okay? Depending on the action Monday morning, the index-only portfolio will be buying those two indexes. So... On the one hand, last week showed some signs of life because two of the seven algorithms gave us a risk on entry point. But without confluence, the statistics, the probabilities drop dramatically. So if we get one or two indexes that give us a risk on entry point and there's no confirmation in a 48-hour window, Statistically speaking, the probability we're going to make a lot of money on that entry dives dramatically, right? So we need confluence here. William O'Neill says it another way. They look for follow-through. 
I say confluence, they say follow through. It's the same thing. You get the first signs of life. And if you don't get follow through and confluence, that life dies. So on the one hand, at the end of the week, maybe some signs of life. On the other hand, we need to see what happens in the next 48 hours of trading Monday and Tuesday to see if there's any follow through and confluence. The negative from the end of the week is, while it looked decent and the market popped up enough for a couple of our algos to get positive, there was zero volume. I mean, nothing. There was really no volume. And what the market did is just rally right up to the resistance at the end of the day, at the end of the week. In fact, the NASDAQ went a little bit above and the other indexes didn't quite get to their resistance yet. So there's room left over. So on the one hand, Monday, Tuesday is going to be very important. If we get follow through, we're going to have a risk on buy signal early next week. If the markets roll over and crater Monday and Tuesday, we're not going to have anything. Okay. Now on the positive side, we're seeing leadership break out. I'm going to get to this in a minute because I'm going to share with you how we're building our whiteboard. And it's something you can do on your own. Okay. But a number of the names that are at the top of the Armour whiteboard and Armour Insiders, you guys know this because we watched it happen during the week. A lot of them blew out, right? Traded higher right into the end of the week. Okay. So there are stocks going up right now. So what does this market look like compared to February? Totally different. February and March, everything cratered. You couldn't make money anywhere. In the last four weeks, the big indexes have come down. The Teslas and the Apples that did stock splits and then sold off after the split. Hey, guys, grab a pen, piece of paper, write that down, okay? If a stock is up big and it announces a stock split, that's the top. It happens all the time, okay? Just write it down, stick it on the board so you never make that mistake again if you went out there and bought the split, okay? Splits don't put stocks up. I digress. Let's move on, okay? Um, so... While we're getting a breakdown in some of the big names, some of the leadership, disruptive growth that we love starting to break out. I'd like to see the IBD 50 give us a risk on buy signal in the next 48 hours. That would confirm some of these breakouts we're seeing in some of our top names, and I'll share those names in a minute. Okay? So there were some pros at the end of the week. There's still a lot of cons. And the bottom line of this show right now is we have to see where we are Monday and Tuesday. We want to see volume come into the market. We want to see follow through. We want to see confluence. Armor Insiders, I'll be sharing it with you step by step during the day in the Armor Slack trading room. Okay? Now, let's finish up this part of the show with a discussion of how to build the top of your whiteboard, and then I'll take questions. Okay? Rule number uh, 14 on the Armour Investing Rules of the Road. Rule number 14. I'm going to read it for you. Stock prices move dramatically higher when institutions build positions. Getting in front of that wave is the key to investing success. And one of the best ways to do that is to use relative strength as a guide. So we're going to look at a couple stocks right now. And we're going to use the William O'Neill Market Smith charts to look at the relative strength line versus price. And what you want to see is the RS line make a new high before price because RS line leads price. And what it's telling you is, and this screen's my favorite screen to use when the market's going down, because what you start to see clearly is the leadership emerge. The market's going down. But, and these stocks might be going down, but their relative strength's breaking out because it's going down less than the market, suggesting there's institutional support defending the stocks. Let's go take a peek. Whoops, sorry about that. Not that. Here we go. First of all, that's just the uh, S&P we're looking at right there. And so really, there, there's nothing to see here. Um, there was a nice day on Friday, but the markets haven't even broken their downtrend yet. So it's really, and look at, the, look at the volume down here. So this volume spikes, these are all red volume spikes. 
and all of those volume days are bigger than the up days. The blue spikes of volume are lower. So the market's going up on light volume, down on big volume. Right? That's typically a negative sign. Before I get to the discussion of stocks, let's take a look at the NASDAQ 100. Okay? Now we have one decent day of volume, which was on Friday, and that was really the reversal day. The market wasn't up that much, but it was enough to make that a volume day. But that was Thursday, I mean. And then Friday, it tried to go up, but the volume went down. Okay? That's not a good sign. That doesn't tell us the market's about to blow out. Okay? So let me just say this before I go on. Even if we get a confluence and we get a risk on entry point that goes green on Monday or Tuesday, we're then going to have to sit down and talk about how to structure our portfolios, whether we're aggressive or conservative. And I'll do this for you, all of you, on Wednesday at 4.30. Okay? If we're risk monitor green, we're going to do a Wednesday show, 4.30, to go over how to structure a conservative or an aggressive portfolio. Because... I'm going to tell you right now, even if we're risk monitor green this week, that type of buy signal is not nearly as good as it was at the bottom in March. Okay? That was a no-brainer entry point, and the reward was enormous versus the risk we were taking, as you can see. Up here, right in front of the election, okay, Reward to risk is not going to be nearly as optimal as it is after the market's dropped 40% and we're putting money to work. So we have to structure portfolio differently. I might have been real aggressive. I was real aggressive at the end of March, early April, loading up portfolios with all kinds of growth stocks and disruptive growth stocks and precious metal stocks, right? Okay, this time around, it's going to be different. And I'll share that information with you on Wednesday at 4.30 if we have a risk monitor green signal. But let's go in here and take a look at, um, I wanted to share with you uh, relative strength lines. Here's an example, okay? NASDAQ 100, this is, this is service now. So how do you differentiate? You know, there's just so much money in your portfolio. This is another thing to talk about real quick. Opportunity cost of money. I talk about it all the time. I wanna say it again right here before we look at these charts, okay? You only have so much money in the portfolio. Okay. Let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar portfolio. You're going to put 10 stocks in that portfolio. Let's say you only have 10 stocks. You're not going to put in 20, 30, 40 stocks. You have to find the right 10. This is one way to find that 10. So you can tell me about all their favorite names, but what you really want to do is find out what the, are the institutional favorite names, not your favorite names. Right? So you build your whiteboard of your favorite names, and then you look to see, you cross-reference to see which of my favorites do the institutions love, and that's where you go. That's the opportunity cost of capital. You can only go into so many names, so you have to high grade. And here's how we do it at the Armour Report. Okay? So we're going to look at a couple of big cap NASDAQ 100 type of stocks. All right? What could I buy? Well, if you look at this line right here, this is the relative strength line, okay? To 93, it's already broken to a new high. That means this stock should already be trading above $500 a share. Okay, it's 479. Now, I could buy ServiceNow or I could buy, let's say, I don't know, Microsoft. Let's take a look at Microsoft. Okay, Microsoft, 84 relative strength that's in a downtrend. Now, that doesn't mean Microsoft won't go up, okay? It might be your favorite name, and it could go up. But statistically speaking, all things being equal, if the market rallies from here, you should be able to make more money in service now. That's the theory behind the relative strength, okay? That's the theory. It's not a guarantee. This is just a way for you to high-grade your portfolio, to look at all of your names, let me think of um, let me think of the next idea I wanted to share with you. Let me see something. Um, all right, here's a good idea. Let's take a look at Nvidia. 
Relative strength. Okay. Not bad. Relative strength not breaking out yet. I wonder what this one looks like. Another semiconductor stock. Not rolling over, not quite breaking out yet. But what you're looking for is you're going through semi-stocks. Let's see how Qualcomm did. Now look at that. Qualcomm's relative strength already hit a new high. That's already at a new high. The stock is not at a new high. Okay, theoretically, Qualcomm is the higher grade stock for this moment in the market right now. I'm not saying it's better than NVIDIA. I'm just saying if I'm high grading my portfolio, I might go with that stock right there. I might. And again, guys, I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. Okay, and I'm not even telling you what stocks are going in Armour portfolios. You have to be an Armour Insider to know that. Okay, I'll share with Armour Insiders, obviously, what I'm buying. But I'm just going over with you the theory, the process of how we find the best names, okay? Um, let me take a peek at, um, oh, you know what? Let's take a look at this stock here. Um, I wanted to find a clear example for you. All right, here's a good one. This is obvious. And you've heard me talk about this before. Okay, here's Roku. First of all, I love the Roku chart. Second of all, they had a real nice announcement last week where they cut a deal with Peacock. And third of all, as you could see, and this is what happened before the Peacock news, okay? The relative strength broke out the day before the Peacock news. And the Peacock news hit. Stock skyrocketed 20% that day, ran up, pulled back. But here's a stock where the relative strength blew out to new highs, right? The stock should be trading above 200 by now, and it probably will if the market breaks out. All right, how about Pinterest? You guys know I'm a big fan of Pinterest. Look at that relative strength breakout. It doesn't get more obvious than that, guys. Look at that right here. That relative strength broke out here and here before the stock had a big up day. Okay? You'll notice these patterns look the same, too. I'm looking for new issues that are clearing their original base. And when I say new issues, not the first couple months of a new issue, but stocks that have been trading for six months to two years. These patterns I like to look for. Okay. Here, here's one last one. I'll just, just share with you. Here's HubSpot. Look at HubSpot. HubSpot, 95 relative strength, breaking out to a new high. Stock isn't even close to a new high. Okay, so those are the things we're doing at the Armour Report. We're getting our uh, um, whiteboard ready. We're all week last week. We were constantly changing the top of our whiteboard, looking for the right names, consolidating, getting it ready. What are our favorite names? What are the and favorite being not just what I love, but where are institutions going? How do we know relative strength support? That's what we're building. Okay, so guys. Those are my thoughts for today. Um, I'll wrap it up there. I'll take questions now. And, and maybe even before I look at the questions, you guys are probably going to ask me about gold and silver. So let me just hit on that real quick. I don't have much of an opinion right now on gold and silver. Okay. We're out of gold and silver at the moment. Let's take a look at, um, let's pull up gold and silver. This is just graphic representation, guys. For those of you who don't see this every day, I share this with Armour Insiders every day. This is how we start our morning. In fact, we look at the, the S&P 500 and we see where the risk monitor is. So risk monitor red right here, right? And we're waiting for a new signal. We don't have it yet. Okay. Um, and, and quite frankly, I think I might've shared this with you, but let's just share it again. Here's the weekly chart. Disregard these, these things for here. This is the weekly chart of the S&P. And what you're seeing is a very clear Andrews fork. And this line is very compelling to me, this 50% line. So, you know, I, I don't have to wait for that. But if the market were to get down here and put in a reversal, I'd get really bullish. If we get a risk on buy signal up here, I'll put money to work, but I wouldn't be as bullish. Okay. This middle line of the Andrews fork has been working all the way back to 2015. And I expect support to come in right in here. Okay. 
Anyway, let's look at GDX real quick. And I'm, let's leave it on this chart, okay? Here's a weekly chart of GDX. I'm going to take this off because this is kind of silly. And what we're looking at there is just a major breakout and then a breakdown out of the pennant. Okay, so let's go to the daily chart. So see, if you look at that chart, there's nothing bullish about that chart. Okay, and so I'm out. Armor exited, 921. We're all out. The assets have gone lower. And we're just waiting now for the next risk on buy signal. Okay. There's SLV. Nothing positive about that pattern yet. CLD. Not, nothing positive. So let me just share some, some basic thoughts about the metals market. Okay, look. Long-term, medium to long-term, do we think metal prices are going a lot higher? Absolutely. Why? Because we all know that physical demand is through the roof, and that hasn't changed. What has changed is that Futures, COMEX futures are clearly tied. Silver and gold, particularly silver, are tied to the ES, ES being the S&P futures. The S&P has been in a downtrend for four weeks, and it gave whoever the powers that be, let's don't get into the conspiracies, the opportunity to wreck the price and cover some shorts down here. There is very little physical trading, and there's a lot of physical I mean, something more than 40,000 contracts of physical gold sitting for delivery in October, and there's no supply. So I would expect October to be a very bullish month for gold and silver. I don't know what's going to happen next week. The Bank of International Settlements, OPEX expires, I think, Wednesday. It's month end. There's always pressure month end. So I don't have any desire to run out there and call the bottom in the metals, but I probably will use a buy stop. Right. If it once it starts to show momentum on the upside, there'll be levels and prices. And I'll be sharing this with Armor Insiders during the week. If it hits that price, I might start putting positions back on. If it stays below that price or those prices, I'm going to let it keep going down. That's how I'm going to re-engage in the precious metals market by identifying the right prices on the bullion and buy stopping if it takes out that resistance. Because that'll tell me that this ridiculously insane selling, having nothing to do with physical, completely divorcing itself from the physical market, it'll tell me that that ridiculous high-frequency trading algo selling is over. So it's best just to buy stop it and try to catch the falling knife and figure out where the bottom is. Okay, let's get to your questions. Thanks for giving me your time today. I appreciate it. What do you got for me, guys? All right. Um, Southeastern 99, how are you, my friend? Yeah, there's the cannabis couch. Oh, geez, the cannabis couch. All right, let's go look at a couple things. I mean, bottom line is I have no interest in the space right now. I love the business. I love the product. I think we're going to make a lot of money in this space. Before I even look at charts, I'm just going to tell you that I've come to the realization and I could change, but you're asking me my opinion and here it is. I've come to the realization that 90% of the money that's going to be made in these stocks will happen. Ready for this? Wait for it. Grab a pen, piece of paper, write this down. <laughs> It's going to happen after the news comes out of the Safe Banking Act or federal guidelines change to Schedule S3 from S1 or whatever. I know that day the assets will be up 25, 35, 50%. Who knows, right? That'll just be 10% of the amount of money we can make over the next five to 10 years in these stocks. Do you follow me? So instead of trying to constantly call the bottom as they go lower and lower, I've stopped doing that. I mean, you know I haven't been talking about Cannabis Couch for a while because there's just not anything to discuss. 
I keep my eye on canopy growth. So we can go take a peek at that again, because I think that's the only, honestly, the only investable Canadian stock out there is canopy growth. And what it did last week is break down the new lows, not new lows, but break down out of this consolidation, right? So nothing to do here. We saw ACB had a god-awful earnings announcement, so that's a joke. So maybe, you know, maybe what we want to do, I think to myself, is shift to the U.S. producers. Like, um, you know, this is truly, for instance. Okay, that's a decent-looking chart pattern. It blew out. It pulled back. It did a secondary, so we all knew they were going to raise more money because that's what they have to do every time the stocks go up. Here's Cure Relief. Cure Relief is right on the 200-day moving average. Had a nice reversal there. Here's Green Thumb. Not a chart pattern I have an interest in. Honestly, Cure Relief looks the best. Um, but again, guys, the, I don't think maybe we haven't gone over this or perhaps you're not aware of this, but until there's a safe banking act, there's a very disturbing trend that you can't, you can't clear these trades at certain clearinghouses, Pershing being one of the biggest. Okay? They won't clear these trades. There's brokerage firms that don't let you own these stocks. So as an armor investing way uh, principle, we try to put our capital to work right in front of and alongside institutional flows of money, big guys with billions of dollars. We don't try to play down in the chicken feed where it's just a handful of individual guys tossing it back and forth. Like that's just, you could trade them. And I mean, no disrespect if you guys are in there trading them. Please, please. I don't mean any disrespect. You make your money your way. I make it mine. But I have less of an interest investing in a stock that only you and I are trading and investing in versus a stock where CalPERS and all of these big institutions are investing. You see what I'm saying? I want the big flows of capital driving the stock up. And you're not going to get it here until there's a safe banking act and some clearinghouse as big as Pershing is willing to clear the stocks. So that's it for me right now. Can't do it. Okay, and I'm not touching grow generation until they change the management. So, you know, we made a lot of money there. I'm just not going back to the well until they change management. That's all there is to it. You know, and I haven't missed any upside. I know everyone keeps telling me, oh, it's about to go up. And I say to you, I, I don't care what it's about to do. If they don't have the right management team, I don't want to own it. Okay, we made 300% on our money. I don't need to make any more right now on that stock. I hope that helps. All right. Um, you want to see my necklace? There, there's a necklace. How's that? Can you see it? <laughs> One is a, um, a, um, shark's tooth that I found on the beaches of Georgia. And the other actually is, um, um, alligator bone. So also I said just, just for the fun of it, as long as you're with me, see that right there. I don't know if you can see that close enough. That is a half of a megalodon tooth. Can you believe that? This thing is two and a half million years old. I found that on the same beach on the same day. Anyway, moving on. All right. Um, can you suggest some other books to read about, strat about this strategy? I am looking for books, technical and fundamental analysis. Okay. Two of the best books, if you go to my website, it's armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. On the home page, scroll down, you can click on the links. One is called How to Make Money in Stocks by William O'Neill. That's the Bible, okay? I've read it repeatedly. I've underlined it many times. And the other is Candle Power, because I think candlestick charts are better than just your average chart, um, chart software. So those are the first two books. Um, then I think um, I should probably put this on my list, my reading list, but this is one of my favorite books to read. And it's amazing. It's amazing how these um, thoughts and philosophies are still relevant today. And it's the book is called the reminiscence of a stock operator by it's Jesse Livermore's book reminiscence 
of a stock operator. And the, 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 he has a pen name. I can't remember what it is. Maybe one of you guys can put it up there. But anyway, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator. It's a really fun read. It's not a thick book. And it's amazing. He, this guy made and lost millions of dollars seven different times in his life. And he goes over how he did it. So it's just like a fun read. It's not about technical analysis. But it's more of philosophy of investing and trading. I find it interesting. All right. Um, so those are the two books. I don't know if, um, uh, Sabre, I don't know if you've read those two already and you're asking me for more books. You know, I have others, but why don't you just read those two first and then come back to me? All right, Tech Monkey, do you think uh, Walmart will be, uh, begin to be an Amazon competitor since Amazon likes subscription delivery? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Um, Let's take a look at Walmart stock. I mean, I'm not buying Walmart right now because I don't know where this whole TikTok thing is going to play out, okay? But the chart's not bad. So instead of guessing whether or not they're going to turn into Amazon, let's just look at the chart and say to ourselves, you know what? That's a sweet-looking chart pattern. There's the weekly, which is just a nice uptrend. And there's the daily and a nice, you know, pattern tech monkey, right? So there's your... Isn't it Deb? Isn't it Debbie? Or should I call you Tech Monkey? <laughs> anyway, I would, if you have an interest in this stock, it's on your whiteboard. You can own it right in here with a stop at, at the 50-day moving average. All right, SPCE. Here's a chart of space. I don't have a lot of interest in this stock right now. I like, for com- I like to invest in companies that have um, high margin businesses, high barriers to entry, all of these different things. And to me, Virgin Galactic is um, an, ins- an exciting concept theme type of idea, but not really reality when it comes to, you know, earnings and revenue and all those types of things that really make stock investments worthwhile over a long period of time. Okay? It's just my opinion. So I, I don't, that's not on my whiteboard. Okay? Uh, I get the allure. I, I, I get it. And sometimes you can invest in these companies like Tesla. A long time ago, I avoided Tesla. That was a big mistake, right? So I make mistakes all the time. You know, it turned from a concept to something that loses tons of money, but people love it anyway. And the stock keeps going up. You know, it's just not a stock for me. Virgin Galactic falls in the same space. So it could very well be a stock for you because God knows I should have owned Tesla, right? All right. Um, ID Doc, what about LAC? Yeah, I know you're talking about this. LAC, nice to see you, Mo. Here we go. Lithium. It's a weekly chart pattern. I'm just looking at it. You know, honestly, I've got to go through the numbers and and do some fundamental research on this to give you a better opinion. And Mo, I know you're an Armour Insider, so I'll do that for you this week and we'll, we'll go over it together. Just take a look at it on the uh, O'Neill list real quick. Well, 98 relative strength. Volume came in on Friday. That's a positive sign. More volume right in here on the breakout. Stocks holding the eight area. But um, I'll have to do more work on it. I don't really have an opinion on that chart right here. Okay. Thoughts on Chewy? Yeah, let's get to Chewy. Ooh, I like Chewy. And is it because I just got a dog? Maybe. But um, let's go look at this chart right here. Okay. So Chewy did its secondary at $55 a share, and it finally closed back above that 55 area um, on Friday, closing at 56 on the nose. So you know, if there's a risk on buy signal, this is a stock that would be at the top of the list for me, right? I mean, it really, it had a nice breakout and run. It had a really nice earnings announcement and then they did a secondary, which drove the stock down, okay? But if it holds that 50 like it's doing, that's one of the top stocks on my whiteboard. All right, do you think the big guys are just playing the market to capture Obvious 50-day stop losses on small guys. I'm not sure I get your point or your question. 
not sure I know what you mean there, Mo. The big guys, I mean, I, I guess my answer is no. No. The 50-day moving average is a legitimate, you know, place where institutions put capital and um, defend positions. And it has been like that for years. And there is always gaming around the 50. So sometimes you could, you could get a situation where an asset plunges below it, reverses back above it, you know, and since we don't know if the plunge below is the beginning of something more nefarious, you know, we don't sit and wonder or worry whether or not someone's gaming us. We take our loss. We watch the stock. If it immediately reverses back above, we could put the trade right back on. You know, you could go look at Armor Investing Rules of the Road, and I think it's mm, number 13 or something, um, but it's my morning mantra. I think it's number 13. And the morning mantra is, I don't care what happened to me yesterday. I don't care if I made money or lost money in a stock. I come in today, every day when the market opens, I look at my whiteboard, and if there's a stock that demands my attention, I execute. It doesn't matter if I got stopped out of it yesterday. So sometimes, you may be right, Mo, somebody's out there gaming the system to take out stops. This is why the Armour Report has a very unique way of executing stops. All right. If you want to go into more detail, you and I, you can give me a call. We can go over it again. I certainly have it listed in the Slack room and we go over it every morning. I list how we do it. We don't put orders out there for other big guys to see so they can come take us out. Right. So I have ways to try to get around that. But at the end of the day, if the asset closes below the 50 and enough below the 50 in a manner that triggers our stop, we're out. And if it reverses back up the next day, we go buy it back. No big deal. But you'll notice that 90% of the time, it will not reverse back up the next day. So those are my thoughts. All right. Um, okay, let me just take a look at a couple of these names here that um, Sabre's asking me about. Sabre Corp. No interest in that idea. All right, here's the chart of it. Now, again, you're just asking me my opinion, right? So I'm sharing with you. I don't have any interest in buying a chart pattern with a four relative strength and absolutely um, no real reason to buy it. So I don't buy um, these thoughts of valuation and because something's cheap on a PE ratio basis or anything like that, I should start buying it. Value means nothing to me. I've seen over 30 years value get more and more valuable all the way down. I mean, I remember guys telling me how valuable GE was, right? From what was it, 50 to 30 to 20. Oh, what a value at 20. <laughs> I mean, all the way down to what was it, two? I mean, you need value for a reason, which is what I call turnaround. You need a catalyst. Think about it this way you need a catalyst that will get professional institutions to come back into the stock. So if you tell me you've got a reason why Sabre, is going to attract that attention, then I'm all for, you know, I'm all for it. Let's, I'm all ears. But if you tell me this is a value play and I think the economy is going to reopen, that's not enough for me. All right. Um, this talk is too small for me. Okay. So the um, Alexon resources, I'm not going to engage in that, nor do I have an interest in lead or zinc or any of those uh, um, Products. I, there's just too many. This is like an opportunity cost of money question. There's too many other precious metal stocks I'd rather own than a company that's that's engaging in mining lead and zinc. Okay. All right. Um, Goose. G O O S. Oh, Canadian Goose. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Nice to see you today. Canadian Goose. I know this was a hot IPO at one time and it just gave it all away. But that looks pretty interesting there, right? It's broken the downtrend. It's broken back above the 200-day and the 50-day. Um, you know, it could be something for the whiteboard if you could tell me what the catalyst is. It can't just be that, you know, we're, we're going back into the winter months. That's not going to be enough to get me interested. If you could find a catalyst, a trigger, something that's causing the turnaround, then I'll listen. But seasonal trends and let's buy Canadian goose because we're going into the winter. That doesn't, I don't like to make those investments. All right. I like to, I make 
high margin. I look for high margin products, high barriers to entry, turnaround stories where there's a real reason to own something. So if there was a new product that Canadian Goose is bringing out that, you know, all the influencers on Twitter love, then I'd start to listen. Hey, I'll give you an idea. Here's a perfect example of what I mean. Oh, my God. Right? Take this out. This is just what I mean, okay? I have no interest in the container store. The container store does not interest me at all. Stock goes straight down, right? Now I'm interested in the container store, okay? You know why? Stock blew out, first of all, and now I'm looking for an entry point into it. Why? It's not, it's not just because people are at home more and they're organizing their homes, which is true, and that's driving revenue. So that's one theme that I actually do like. And we saw stocks in that theme go up a lot. Best Buy, Bed Bath & Beyond starting to go up again. Um, Target, you know, all those type of names. So retail that's affected by the pandemic where people are trying to organize their house is a reason to own container store. Earnings are starting to come through. But the stock blew out because Netflix did a documentary about a couple of women that organize homes for the rich and famous. And they love the container store. <laughs> I mean, that's a reason. That's literally a catalyst. That's driving business to the container store. You wouldn't believe. Go listen to the last conference call. Their online revenue is starting to take off. So there's a turnaround story for a reason. All right. Um, oh, geez, Phil. Oh, Phil. Oh, Phil. Charlotte's Web is... Charlotte's Web, Phil. It's one of my biggest disappointments. I love Charlotte's Web. Full disclosure, I use the products. Those relaxed gummies are the best. Take them before bed, I sleep like a baby. All right? I never understood that because babies get up every couple hours and cry. So I, don't, I never got that. Um, anyway, I digress. I sleep well. Let's put it that way. But the problem with um, Charlotte's Web as I see it is that they had a huge lead above the competition. And yet the government, as usual, threw up so many roadblocks to allowing CBD ingestible products to be sold. The FDA still can't rule on it. Now the Senate's trying to pass laws that will allow it. And while we're waiting, Charlotte's Web Edge, above all its competition, is starting to shrink. Because now we've got Canopy Growth and Martha Stewart rolling out CBD products. So competition's getting fierce. And there's still this ridiculous government roadblock. And you can't own the stock. You just, you just can't. Now, the day the government finally passes a, a rule or the FDA comes out with a ruling on, on you know, um, ingestible CBD products, probably Charlotte's Web is up big that day. You know? And it's kind of like the cannabis story. 90% of the profits will be made after that day is my guess. And I'll want to own the stock probably after that day. But I don't want to own it right now. And if you listen to the conference calls, they're just a mess. The earnings announcements, are just, they've just been a mess. All right. Uh, I was wondering what the necklace was. Oh, thanks. Meg? Oh, yeah, the Megalodon. How cool is that, right? All right. Um, great weekend for you, Tech Monkey. All right. I... I am gold, a weak PM stock, but holding anything positive. All right, let's take a look at I am gold. Joe Black, nice to meet you. Did everybody else say that? Is that like a joke, a running joke? Um, I am gold. Yeah, I mean, look, man, there's just so many better names to own. You know, uh, I typically don't own gold companies with mines in Africa, South Africa. Okay? I stick to mines... In, in countries where the rule of law I believe in and when the price of gold skyrockets, I believe that the companies will be able to take their gold out of the ground and not have it confiscated by governments. So this is U.S. 
Canada to a lesser extent, Mexico. Um, and I'm almost forced into Mexico because that's where all the great silver plays are. You know, Australia, those are the places I'll, I'm willing to invest. And it's just an opportunity cost of money. You can go do whatever you want. You, you know, buy whatever gold stock you want. But for my money and for armor portfolios that I manage, I high grade and I go with the best uh, situations uh, in my mind. So where can you get the chart programs? Um, not exactly sure what you're asking me there, but um, you can go to investors.com and start looking there. That's IBD, Investors Business Daily. Why don't you start there? You know, and the other chart pattern, the other charting software I use is TradeStation, but that's for more advanced individuals. I, I wouldn't recommend it um, unless you're really good at charting because TradeStation has got to be the worst customer service, you know, in the world of uh, financial services. I'll just say it. It's the worst. So you got to understand what you're doing on your own. Um, faded trader. You're not a big fan of IPOs, but what about AMWL telehealth backed by Google? Um, I am a fan. I am a fan of, uh, let me, let me just pull that up. Um, AMWL. Let me just be clear. I got to put that on my list to watch. I am a fan of IPOs. I don't buy them until they've been public at least six months. A couple reasons for that. Number one, I use algorithms for entry points. And so I need data and I need enough data to make those entry point probabilities statistically significant. So that's step one, right? I only buy stocks where I can use my algorithms to tell me when to buy them. And I need data for that. So it just forces me to wait six months to get statistical data. But the other thing is, very often you get a company that comes public and within six months, the lockup agreement ends and more shares are dumped on the market. And this is usually why, even if there's a hot IPO that rips in the first month or two, it gets hammered in the next couple months and then it sets up a base. So anywhere between six months to two years is what I call a new issue. And I look for those bases. And so this is the type of a name I put on the list and talk to me six months from now, and let's see what the chart looks like, and maybe we'll find an entry. And I love the idea. Telehealth that's um, backed by Google, that's brilliant. Energy stocks such as oil, Sabre, no interest in energy stocks right now. I'm going for high grading, right? High grading my portfolio. I'm looking for companies with, um, I'll just show you XLE just real quick. Okay, here's XLE. So 44 relative strength. This is the big cap, you know. Um, oh, no, this is XLU. Oops. Oh, even worse. <laughs> even worse. Holy smokes. XLE's got 10 relative strength and it's imploding. I got no interest in that. You know, if you want energy, you got to focus on these names. Holy smokes. The solar stocks are going through the roof. And I can't buy them now. I missed this. You know, this was the breakout right in here. I mean, I don't, I don't know what that was, but holy smokes, you know. Um, traditional energy seems dead to me. Copper stock. Do I have a good copper stock? I mean, I think there's only really one that I would, you know. Here, here are the copper stocks. There's FCX, Freeport, MacMoran, copper, and gold. Okay. But you've got Indonesian exposure. So I never own the stock. Then you could probably go BHP, which is um, engaged in mining, metallurgical, coal, iron ore, um, manganese. I guess they don't have any copper. I always thought they did. Uh, what's the other one? There's, there's BHP and then there's um, oh Rio Tinto. Industrial metals, you know. Um, I think there's something else out there. I can't remember right now. It used to be a um, Peruvian. Oh, Southern Copper, Southern Peruvian Copper. This is what it is. Peru and Mexico, yeah. Southern Copper, this is pure copper play. 
S-C-O-O. But again, I don't have any interest in these stocks. But you're asking me, there, there you go. Thoughts on Disney. All right, let's take a look. I'm out of Disney right now. It hit our stop loss, so we don't have it in the portfolios. And that was up here. Okay, so we got stopped out up, up in here, I think right around here. Um, but look at Disney sitting right on its uptrend, right? It's right on the uptrend line and right on the 200-day moving average. And so I'm just looking for a reason. But 64 relative strength isn't really going to give me a reason. And so I'm going to have to wait and look for some type of a trigger that, that is compelling to me. Okay. Um, all right. The legend. Hi, new subscriber. How about Workhorse? Yeah, Workhorse is on my list, man. And thanks for being a new subscriber. Glad to have you. WKHS. This is on my list, Workhorse. I, I like this little idea. Um, that's a pretty vicious sell-off from 30. So I, I need a consolidation, some type of pattern to form. Ideally, it'll form right on top of this base, right? Broke out of this base, got hammered back into it because of uh, the market collapse, you know? And so what we want to see now is a base that builds that we can buy. And I don't, I don't see it yet. S-U-N-W. Sunworks. Yeah, I'm not buying this name, not, not these little ones that were doing nothing until a couple of days ago. And you got some positive announcements. I think a lot of these things, guys, let's don't make this mistake, okay? I'm, I'm willing to put, so, like RUN, I think, quite frankly, RUN is the best solar play that I've done. Re I, I was doing research on these names last week. So far, RUN is my favorite. Um, but um, let's don't get confused. These stocks clearly popped, specifically Sunworks, popped because Gavin Newsom in, in California said that by 3035, they're going to be all, you know, you know, um, electric vehicles and all these other things that are, that are um, detrimental to uh, traditional energy and beneficial to um, solar energy. I never buy stories like that particularly from a politician who won't be around by 30, 30, 30 2035. I mean, you know, I mean, honestly, I'm not going to short these names, but that's the kind of thing you short, but I'm not shorting these names. Okay. I'm not doing that, but I'm just saying California saying that they're going to do all these things by 2035 is an election year joke. Okay. So I wouldn't be buying that news. Oh, geez. Um, Jasmine, so glad to see you. I didn't know you were here. Um, yeah, uh, I, I love your idea here on Zoom. I know Jasmine's an Armour Insider, and we were talking about this during the, um, during the week in the Armour Slack trading desk. Um, I understand your fundamental theory on shorting Zoom. And I just saw, to add to your theory, I was watching Stanley Cup last night, and I saw an ad for Microsoft Teams. And it looks to me like a Zoom killer, like a, literally a Zoom killer. And it's killing work and it's killing team. So how is it not killing Zoom? Right? When I say team, um, Alsatian, right? That's the, all right? That stock's going nowhere. Okay. And then, of course, we all know that Slack is getting wrecked. Okay. And these stocks are all the anti- Microsoft team, but that Microsoft team product is getting better and better. And that, that ad on TV was very compelling. So I love your fundamental idea of shorting this, but I don't short a 99 relative strength. that's skyrocketing. You know, it's the opposite of catching a falling knife. What would be better in my mind is to set up a sell stop. So on a stock that's going down big, I'll put in buy stops at key locations so that if it reverses and takes it out, I get I get long, but I don't get my fingers cut off as it goes down. The same could be true for a short here. As it's running, I'm not going to be doing that. But if there are key locations we can identify and it takes out that low, then that's when you put the short on because maybe the, maybe the reversal is occurring. And we could talk about that in the Slack room on Monday 
and try to come up with where we would put those cell stops in. Um, tram, I don't even know. Is tram a symbol? T-R-A-M? Your son's room. T-R-A-M. No, I don't know what tram is. Is that Teams? Microsoft Teams? Anyway, my son's still using Zoom. And let me tell you something. It's a nightmare. Okay? So I, let's keep our eye on Zoom. And maybe you and I are going to make some money in that, Jasmine. Maybe we will. You worry about workhorse. I mean, you might be right there. I have it on my list to watch and see if there's a setup. Okay, guys, listen, um, looks like, wow, we're well past an hour. So I appreciate all the time you spent with me. I look forward to seeing you guys on Wednesday, okay? We're going to do another update Wednesday at 430, um, depending on what the market's doing and what our risk monitor's telling us. And I'll see all you Armour Insiders Monday morning, 830 sharp. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if I'm off... Uh, I'm off the beach, 8.30 sharp. We're going to do it on Monday, get ourselves ready for the week. You guys have a great weekend, all right? Take care.